The world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet. Baby Diego was stabbed outside a bar in Buenos Aires after refusing to sign an autograph. Witnesses at the scene say that Diego spat in the face of a fan who asked for an autograph. He was killed in the ensuing brawl. The fan was later beaten to death by the angry crowd. Born in 2009, the son of Marcelo and Silvio Ricardo, a working-class couple from Mendoza, he struggled all his life with the celebrity status thrust upon him as the world's youngest person. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are back in very late November. <laughs> we decided it was November 32nd. Yes, pretty much. Right. Yeah, we did our we did our last Philip K. Dick thing, Blade Runner 2049, and it's taken us nearly two months to recover. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we are actually following up on a listener request this time. We're talking about P.D. James... Um, the Children of Men. The Children of Men, yes. And then the and that's a 1992 book, and there's a 2006 adaptation called Children of Men, directed by Alfonso Cuarón. And that that request came in from Dominic Coddington over in the UK. So thank you, Dominic, for suggesting something for us, because we haven't done one of these in a while. Colin is again saying my thank you. Um, but he does thank you for at least being out there. <laughs> right. The story. What is the story of Children of Men? And the children of men. The story of children of men, the children of men and children of men is that humans have lost the ability to have babies. Not the parts have dropped off and stopped working or gotten plugged up, but that uh, they we can no longer conceive babies. And so the world's population is growing older and eventually um, we will run out of people and it will be the end of the human race. Uh, in the, are we going spoiler from the get-go? You know, I think people have come to expect that we, we spoil right. pretty much everything. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure that spoiling this one really detracts from it. I mean, I think I knew about it going in. Yeah, I knew about the story going in, yeah. uh, what the whole premise of the book in the movie was. I guess I didn't know how it ended, though. Yeah, we don't have to give up the ending, but you, you can mention yeah. the one plot point. Right. Uh, in the middle of all that, where there is not much hope left in the world and society is collapsing uh, across the world, uh, they find someone who is pregnant. And they're trying to get her out of Britain. Yes. Right. Because it's under totalitarian rule. Yes. Okay. That is the story. Yes. So, uh, previous experience with the material, I mentioned uh, when we were talking about doing this one, I think when the movie was coming out, I found out about it, looked it up, found it was based on a book, went and read the book, and watched the ah, movie. Nice. Um, didn't think much of either of them, as I recall. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we can get back to, you know, impressions of the, the book later. Right. But, so, I had done both, Colin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had seen the movie when it came out. Okay. In the theater? In the theater, probably. Really? Really? Okay. Huh. I neither actually. Okay. Um, I've heard of the movie, and I, I knew I was familiar with the premise of it. I just never saw it. I don't think I actually heard good things about it either. Not necessarily bad things, but not good things either. Meh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie <laughs> didn't do anything. The, in the general box consensus. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You should say that mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it did not make back its budget. Right. But it was 93% positive at Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. No kidding. Yes. Yeah, very well-reviewed movie, huh. not a very well-seen movie. And it's it's gained some traction and kind of after Interesting. Yeah. After that. And, and, you know, if you look for positive reviews of Children mm-hmm. of Men, you can find them all over the place. But 
We're talking about the book. Huh. So, the Children right. of Men. Because when you adapt a movie. Right. Or, or, yeah, a movie from a book, <laughs> you drop the, right? Yes. You go from <laughs> The Planet of the Apes to Planet, Planet of the Apes. Apes. Right. Well, the the is redundant. So, this book is a book uh, that I read, and I, I track these things in my little book database thingy. Um, I gave it six out of ten stars back when I first read it. Based on? Six out of ten. Uh, not stars. Six out of ten pages. rating. Whatever. Yeah. But, but why? Like, what was the basis for your six out of ten? Uh, I believe... Versus, you know, three out of ten or eight right, out right, of right. ten, et cetera, et cetera. I believe my review was slow start, decent build, anticlimax. And that's the way I felt about it. And you guys are not going to disagree that it's a slow start. No, no. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> that about sums it up. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first read. We'll, we'll come back to my second read through impressions later. But um, right. Okay, so who wants to go next? Sure, I'll go next. I don't know. Reading it, I felt like it was very... Uh, academic <laughs> like an academic read okay very slow mm-hmm. lots of i mean very factual well-written book just like eh. <laughs> I, for me i i think i for me it started picking up probably in the last third of the book mm-hmm. so the second half and like the last third i'm like oh this is getting really good yep and i actually like the way it i think i like the way it ended okay um so and colin uh i i found the first two-thirds of the book needless unnecessary <laughs> yeah deliberately boring there was a uh, there was a lot of unnecessary exposition i think yes well so we should talk about and this that, could right? have been like a short story at least like the first <laughs> at least like the first quarter of the book is all character backstory right it's about theo and zan yeah but it's really really boring character backstory <laughs> nobody cares there's not it just doesn't bring you into it yeah. why do you i don't care, care about these people yeah why do i care about the design of the bed that he slept in at the place that he's going to go to every summer <laughs> yeah i don't right right <laughs> <laughs> and i don't yeah. think that, i don't think there is any character at all in the entire book that was relatable okay or uh, i didn't like any of them either yeah i mean at least i in other books, I've I've found characters that I didn't like them, but at least I could relate to them. Uh-huh. Not even relatable on this hmm. one. Should we name them all one by one just to convince him because he looks uncondemned? <laughs> no, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think if if I necessarily relate to any of the characters, and it's not a prerequisite for enjoying right. the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of is. It, but you it have does to, like pull relate you to in, the content right? somehow. That's not like yeah. it's a that's a usual way to pull people into the book is make somebody relatable. I could, I, I would say I could relate to some of the decisions he made, but not mm-hmm. necessarily to him because he, Theo is not yeah. a real inspiring character, right? By right. design. I mean, right. at the beginning of the yeah, book, yeah, 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 he's very yeah. apathetic. It's true. You know, his, his marriage just kind of crumbled after he ran over his daughter, yeah. <laughs> um, which is tragic and brutal. I mean, and as a it's father, kind of you know, that, that kind of thing, I think, I think Colin and I are better mm-hmm. able to understand <laughs> how crushing that could be. Um, imagine if you ran over Emily and you were sorry that you did it. And that's kind of where you get to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because the other's a possibility. (laughs) Imagine you ran your wife down to the car and you felt bad about it. (laughs) It's a very important and. Right. (laughs) Um, I can't say anything. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defense if you fail to mention anything you later rely on in court. And as as multiple recordings of this are happening, it it would all be admissible. Right. So, yeah, uh, I definitely, I mean, there's no question the first quarter, third, half of the book is quite slow. And and that's how I saw it the first time, how I saw it this time. It didn't Mm -hmm. bother me. I I remember you and I were talking about it where we were out uh, playing some disc golf and, and I'm like... 
I'm usually the one complaining about how slow a book is. <laughs> Colin's usually just, you know, right through it. Yeah, and usually we're talking about Tolkien. Yes. Or other epic fantasy. Yeah, it's funny, mm-hmm. though, because there's there's other examples like Frankenstein, right, that I find completely delightful, and you're like, eh, it's a slog. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> well, it's only <laughs> this is true. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or was, because I don't ever have to read it again. Right. I will probably read it again. But – uh, I will say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the book more this time because I kind of knew what, what was coming at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see it as so anticlimactic. So um, it's like getting a prostate exam the second time. You know what's going to happen. So it's slightly more tolerable. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, your, your gift for analogies. is <laughs> it's very good. Um, well, like with Frankenstein, right? We used your... It's like two kidney stones. Bilateral <laughs> <Right. laughs> Yes. Well, I'm sorry. I promised you I wouldn't come on this hard, this strong, this negative. No, no. It's so fine. early in the podcast. <laughs> it's fine. So removing that aspect of it, right? The slow start talking about his upbringing at, uh, you know, boarding schools, being the poor kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, being – being able to visit his cousin Zan, who was well off mm-hmm. and well bred, yes, those things to me they did establish those characters somewhat, and and the differences between them. Um, but really, it, you could have just been told this guy's your cousin and you grow up with him. Right? Can you go talk to him for us? Because that's where it comes in, right? Where Julian and Luke and the other folks come to him and say, "We need you to go talk to Zan, who is the Warden of England." Right? right? Yeah, and just saying he's your cousin would have been. Good enough, reason enough in a short yeah. story to pull that off. <laughs> yeah, although, to make it a little more difficult, right? He used to be Zan's advisor right. on the council and then, and then left. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, and so, you know, and I don't think it ever says why he left, but there was bad blood between him and the council yes. because of that, because he wasn't willing to share in the governing or ruling of uh, Britain because of that. Right. Well, now right. we saw him as an, as an outsider as well. Right. Um, but they wanted him the. Were they the human project people? Julian and her group? No, they were five fishes. Right, right. Their job is to try and get someplace else so that the baby can't be used by Zan. Right, but initially they want him to go talk to the warden and say, will you please, you know, knock off what's happening on the- Yeah, they were trying to fix stuff. Yeah, on the Isle of Man or wherever it was where there's the, like the camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Where people are deported to and treated poorly. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember, you know, several demands that they wanted him to, to raise with him. And I think that was to- Prove that he had some influence there to prove that he's he's a good guy to have on their side. I'm not sure. I can't remember. The problem is, I read this book almost two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, nothing changes. Right. right. Well, the reason is, and again, this is maybe we shouldn't be totally negative about the backstory because as we talk about it and we're trying to figure out what happened, I'm, things are coming back to my mind. Mm-hmm. Julian was a student of Theo's, right, and knew that he was the cousin. To Zan, and so she, you know, mm-hmm. she uses that relationship to say, "Hey, we don't think some of the things happening now are particularly healthy or good uh, morally or for our country. Mm-hmm. Can you please go right. share our views with this guy? Because he might listen to you, and yeah. I respect you." Yeah, and he he kind of says, "Well, look, all that's going to do is reveal that you're out there to him and get me in trouble along with you guys." Right, and so they they uh, distribute the pamphlets anyway. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he runs away to the continent, which I think means France. Right. He goes on a long holiday. Yes. Right. right. Some of the backstory, though, about – because even even while it's doing the introduction of Theo and Zan and, and that whole history, it's talking about how things happened after Omega, right? That's what it's called, Omega, where the last right, baby right. was born. And you get you get some interesting tidbits about the psychology of, of now society without children, mm-hmm. um, where there's – 
weird stuff that goes on with women pushing kittens around in right. prams, you know, which of course happens now, but those are crazy cat ladies. Right? Yes. Um, people wanting to get their cat christened, yeah. pushing dolls around in, in carriages, right? Yep. And puppies. And puppies, yeah. And yeah, the baptizing ceremonies and... Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a little strange. And I feel like P.D. James has said that the book is a Christian allegory in some way. You know, oh. she's, she's very kind of uh, Anglican. Okay. okay. And you can definitely see that there's some strongly – things you could take as strongly pro-life in the book. The idea that um, – because it's it's mentioned that people just aren't having sex as much because there's no possibility of having babies. And the mm-hmm. idea that you would stop having sex if you couldn't have babies is – it's a very pro-life kind of Catholic idea, right? That there's mm-hmm. this something about sex where procreation makes it something more. The possibility of procreation makes it something more. Hmm. Yeah, although wouldn't yeah, I guess so. Wouldn't popular attitudes about sex where people are on birth control, but the rate of uh, sexually transmitted diseases is up, which right. means that licentiousness and people having sex is actually going up as well. Right, but that's not what the case in the book. Right, the book has it that right. people have stopped having sex as much because because. Not being able to have children, they've lost some of the interest in it, and so they're yeah. they're like there's all these porn shops and stuff to try to get people excited about sex again, right? And um, the fertility test to see if you could ever detect right someone has become fertile mm-hmm. again because they aren't having sex. Yeah. The other right. the other part that I see that that to me reads as kind of a pro life thing is the the whole treatment of the quietus. Euthanasia is not a, a pro life value, right? Right. Mm. Um, you know, sanctity of life kind sure, of thing. Yeah. Right. And so the fact that the mass suicide thing that happens is essentially compulsory in the book kind of puts a. I mean, that also is a counterpoint to it, right? Well, yeah, okay. It's it's not it's not saying that the mass suicide itself is necessarily a bad thing, right? It, but the way it's implemented is poor. It's kind of like the argument over socialism, right? It's a great theory, but can't be implemented well. Right. Well, you know, the people who were our, our nascent heroes, unlikable mm-hmm. and over-described as they were, <laughs> uh, definitely did not like the quietus. The quietus was one of the things that they right. wanted them to stop. And we got to right. witness a quietus. Right. And we saw the treatment of the people by the guards, which was bad. Someone yeah. decided they changed right. their mind and they were shot and killed. Well, there was strong implication they were drugged as well. And that the, the woman who was trying to get out of there, the drugs didn't take. Right. Right. And the people that tried to stop the quietus were clubbed down. Yeah. With actual gun clubs and rifle butts. Right, and that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that turns Theo around, right? He hadn't seen that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that was a major thing that, that was part of his arc, where he goes from being really apathetic, disaffected, to caring about something. Um, let's talk about his relationship with Julian, because it's a little creepy. <laughs> right. Um, one, she's a former student. Two, she's married to somebody else. Eh. Yeah, but we have evidence that she might be interested in him regardless of her marriage. Sure, sure. Doesn't make it less creepy, though. No. I mean, you don't approve of, of Theo's affection for her. No, I mean, she's somebody else's girlfriend or wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, and you come to find out, and this is hugely spoilery, and we've already warned you, yes. um, the baby isn't her husband's, right? And right. That's, another, that's another thing that I think is very interesting in the book, is that the conception of a baby happens with somebody who isn't considered, like, he's not tested because he's got uh, cerebral palsy or something, some slight, right. slight defect, right? And she's got a malformed hand. Right. So they're both invalids. Like in, um, and he is a priest, too. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, he's an Anglican priest. He could get married. <laughs> yep. um, but like, like in Gattaca, right? The, in, right. the invalids, they're, they're the ones who have some kind of genetic defect so mm-hmm. they can yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. be at the top echelon of society. Right. But I think it's interesting, though, that, that that's where the conception happens, is with two people who are considered outside the norm. Yeah, and I, I guess it's 
a statement that the government did not require them to be tested for fertility because yeah. they only wanted people they thought would be good right. breeding stock. Yeah. 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 Uh, but if you're desperate in trying to recreate the race, it seems like you might <laughs> it be a little does more seem kind of ironic. than that. <laughs> yeah. Cast a wider net. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so there's that whole, there's, there's the whole argument over, do we turn her, you know, what happens if Zan gets his hands on her, right? This is all of a sudden his baby, right? Right. He, That's what he'd they step were in and say, yeah. say, this is my baby. And the mother died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's their belief. Yeah. Or she would just be, have this horrific existence of being poked and prodded and tested and made into a baby mill. Mm-hmm. Even though it has nothing to do with her and everything to do with Luke, right? Because in this story. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. In this story, uh, human males lose the ability to generate sperm. Their sperm count goes to zero. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, all stored sperm in the world also suddenly <laughs> becomes defunct and no longer viable. <laughs> right. And I could buy right. one of those two things happening. But right. the other one, I think, takes this, and this is a, an axe I want to grind and, and talk about for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I don't think this is science fiction. I think it's fantasy. <laughs> there, There is no known scientific way to destroy the viability of all sperm, regardless of how it's stored. Uh, you know, radiation. Uh, gamma ray burst would do it, but it would also wipe burst. out all life. It would wipe out everything. So maybe it was like spermicidal gamma rays. Okay. SGRs. Yes, yes. I think this is, it's more fantastic than scientific. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I still think it's a science fiction idea, right, at the core of it. The, the Harlan Ellison thing, right? What does this say about the human condition, right? What would the end of fertility yeah. do to society? So that's the science fiction idea. The implementation of it, I think, is improved in the movie. We can talk about that. But yeah, I do agree. It's it's like Plagues of Egypt thing, where um, the Nile water is turned to blood, and even water that's in vessels, not in the river, turns to blood. Right. Um, where it's the sperm in the vessels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have not talked about sperm nearly as much in other episodes of the podcast. <laughs> it wasn't so centric to the plot as this particular one. Yes. I think the title should be Sperm-Centric yeah. Plot. <laughs> no, not not so much. My sister listened to this, so. I don't remember saying in the book that it was purely because of the infertility of men. I thought it was both. Yeah, because the men men had to submit to testing. I thought the females had to submit to testing of some sort too. I I think there was some testing for the females as well, but the, the yeah. I think the book is pretty clear that it's the men that are infertile. Well, well obviously yeah. not clear enough because I didn't get that. I guess not. <laughs> I've read it twice. So um, interesting, uh, you know, on the religious allegory side, you you have Theo, um, which you know Theo is from the same root as Theos, which means God, right? Um, hmm. And then hmm. Zan is from. Probably Alexander, a variant of Alexander, which means defender of men. So you have God versus man. Bum, which I, think bum, is I, I don't think it's an accident. Right. Because it's not like they're common names. And the, the other part, of course, is – and this I think applies to both, right? The, the We're on November 33rd, you know, so we're into the Advent season, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, and so the idea of the nativity, right, where, where uh, a woman is miraculously pregnant and she's taking a journey with a man who is not the father of her child. Oh, yeah, interesting. And the movie, I think, actually leans into some of that a little, a little more heavily than the book does. But we'll we'll get back to that. Okay. What else about the book do we want to talk about? I don't even remember how it ends. Not really. You don't remember how it ends? Oh no, not totally. I, I mean, I do remember that that Theo ends up shooting Zan. That, right. That's exactly what it ends. It stops right there. Yeah. Yep. They both have guns, <laughs> so they've killed Miriam for reasons I don't understand. Right. Right. Um, and they're about to go and try and storm the house because they 
don't know that Julian is going to give birth because Rolf left early and he thinks that she isn't as far as long as she is. Right. They don't think she had given birth yet. Right. right? And so uh, Alexander, uh, excuse me, Theo and Zan are pointing guns at each other. The baby cries right as they both fire because the baby cries. Zan misses, Mm. but Theo shoots true. And then Theo walks over and takes off. Zan's ring and puts it on his hand. Right. You know, mm-hmm. talking about ring the transfer of, the ring of power. power. Yes. Even though all the other, the, the private military guardians of Zan and the council were all there and they could have still killed him and taken the baby anyway. Yeah. Oh, maybe they're a little gobsmacked about the, the idea of there being a, another child. And, mm-hmm. but you'd think he's going to want to make some changes, right? And I'm sure the council people are not going to be happy about that. Yeah. Although, you know, you can you can give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, they were they were only acting in this certain way because there was no hope. Right. Like they were trying to legitimately trying to maintain order. Um, because I was thinking about you know what would happen if if like we had an end date, we're like okay, you know, fifty, seventy five, mm-hmm. hundred years from now, everybody's gone. I mean, it could cause some problems. Yeah. I, yeah. We could talk about the apocalyptic scenarios mm. where, you know, there are roving bands of people that attack cars and sacrifice one person from inside them. Right. right. Uh, there's the, you know, you can get free drugs to commit suicide whenever you want to. Theo's advisor mm. just wants to stay into his apartment until he gets too feeble to take care of himself. And then he wants to overdose on morphine and okay. right. call it a day. Yeah. Uh, we, we could talk about this episode or the scenario scene when Theo breaks into the house of two elderly older people, mm-hmm. uh, ends up killing the wife by accident as mm. a kind of comedic <laughs> end to, you know, trying to tie them up and, and steal supplies to take care of Julian. But she had to go to the bathroom, so he let her out and went. She went to the bathroom and then came back and tied her up again. But she ends up dying anyway. I, I'm not sure yeah. I agree that she dies. What? Does Does the narrator tell us she dies or does the news tell us? The news, yeah. but it's the only source that's telling us, and maybe she right. doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I saw it as a frame up story to frame him and justify the manhunt, yeah. which is also I think why they killed uh, Miriam. You were you were wondering why they might have killed Miriam. Well, she was a midwife. Yeah, you think she would be valuable, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being married to one. Well, I think they were killed. They were, midwives are I think they were eventually just going to kill them all so they could take Julian and the baby and invent their own narrative. Yes, about how it occurred. Yeah, yeah, and so I saw and that set up, and set up Zan as some sort of like savior of humanity because yeah, yeah, here he has a child now, mm-hmm. yay, <laughs> yeah. So have we been neutral enough long enough that I can slam the book again? Yes, <laughs> please uh, do. Nowhere is it stated in the book mm-hmm. anywhere that any person other than Luke has good sperm, right? Mm-hmm. And he's killed. Yes, three quarters of the way through the book, mm-hmm. so. We have a new baby that we can idolize and is the source of news and entertainment, right. but that's it. Yeah, I I guess I see it as uh, a portent of the future, you know, where, where okay, whatever has happened that afflicted everybody doesn't mm-hmm. really affect everybody. And so my idea is that Theo will go, go out there and say, look, we can't just test. Well, of course, he didn't like the testing, right? The compulsory testing. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's just indicative that, okay – Maybe we've passed through this plague and people will start popping up again. Yeah, I guess you could read it that way. I mean, that's otherwise you're just you've just reset the clock and you're back to hopelessness, right? You have a right. new youngest kid in the world. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of the way I read it. It's <laughs> like if Theo Theo doesn't seem to be our hero, Luke is the guy with, who's shooting bullets. Everyone else is in <laughs> yeah. the place, right? right? <laughs> and yet uh, Julian sacrifices him. She could have said, "No, no, no, take Rolf." 
or Theo right. or a whole bunch of people. She didn't. She just lets him dry, drag the only guy with, with sperm that work away. Yeah. Wait, wait, didn't he sacrifice himself? He he, oh, he went out there on purpose as a distraction to let them get away. He did. He sacrificed himself. It wasn't that they all sacrificed him. He chose to let them kill him and for Julian to get away. I, he, I think you're right. But I, yeah, he, he did it as what I interpreted as more or less an act of love, I suppose, and self-sacrifice. He sacrificed himself so that they could get away. But logically thinking, like I said, he no, there's nothing illogical bullets. about it. No, it's completely irrational. Just like every emotion we have. Yeah, it, because <laughs> if, it's, if it's the men that are infertile, you you want to keep your yeah. That's I mean that's kind of that's around, what right? I thought odd about it was that he's sacrificing himself even though he's the possibly only fertile male on the planet, but he's still sacrificing himself out of an irrational emotion. So yeah. they didn't drag him out unwillingly. He stepped out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, they were going to drag somebody out. Right, they were they were going to get somebody. He yeah. just made it himself so that Julian and Theo could get away. But if, if they had drug out Rolf, they Rolf was already away. gone by then. No, yeah, he yeah. ran out during that. Well, no, right after it. Right after that, right. If yeah. they had taken Rolf, Luke, yeah. Luke, the guy with the bullets, Julian, the baby, Theo, yeah, but, the protector, and Miriam, the midwife, mm-hmm. they could have gotten away scot free. Mm-hmm. And the whole ending yeah. drama would never have needed to happen. But that's what I'm saying. There wasn't a choice about it between any of them except Luke. Luke chose to sacrifice himself and went and got himself killed by the roving band of whatever they were. Yeah, the wild That's people. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, there there, there, there was no under- choice about it. Nobody yeah. made anybody else go. Luke chose to go and went before anybody else did. Because he felt the impending doom of killing Julian and he wanted to save her and so he left and that's how it happened. Yeah. He, he there wasn't, wasn't a choice made by anybody else. He didn't do the math either. So Right. Yeah. It uh, was a completely irrational emotion. I mean, he, want, he wanted to save his baby and his quote-unquote wife or mate, I guess. <laughs> Another uh, biblical parallel. Uh, Miriam was the name of Moses' sister. The one who pulled him out of the water. Well, the daughter of the Pharaoh pulled him out of the water, but she was, she was there to say, would, would you like me to find somebody to nurse him for you uh, <laughs> and take him back to his mom? Midwife. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I did enjoy the book more this time. Like I mentioned, I, I think, I think I bumped it up to seven or eight out of 10 what? for this read. Yeah. I'm not going to reread it to try and enjoy it more. That's Sorry. fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not unheard of, right? Lo- lots of times it takes more than one yeah. reading or viewing to appreciate something. Mm-hmm. So it certainly did with 2001. <laughs> me, so. It didn't work with Colin. No, no. <laughs> you're, you're just three or four viewings from from appreciating. It. As long as you consider the viewing a punishment, it's probably not going to get better. True. All right. So, uh, are we done with the book? <laughs> Colin, are you done with the book? <laughs> okay. Talked about get back over here, book. I'm not done with you. <laughs> <laughs> talked about science fiction versus fantasy. Talked about you know three two thirds three quarters of the book being useless. Yep. Talked yep. about sacrificing yourself when you were the only person with sperm and you could change the world. Right. You could literally put on a shirt that said God's gift with an arrow pointing downward, <laughs> and it would be true. <laughs> yes. No, I think I'm through with the book. Okay. Right. To the movie. Uh, should I? So I have thoughts from Dominic. Should I read his thoughts on the book? Or Oh, sure. Or yeah. wait. Yeah. We need something to balance all that negativity out. Okay. So. Unless it doesn't, then oh well. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, what his rankings are. But, so I'll just just talk about the. Well, no. Don't do the rankings. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about whatever he said about the book. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right. Okay. okay, so here's what he has to say. And by the way, thanks, Dominic, for sending this to me. I may have edited it slightly, but he gave me permission. Uh, he says, I think it's a very British book in that it deals with large, weighty issues in a very low-key way. The book is definitely flawed, and the story takes its time before it gets going, and once it starts, isn't eager to get anywhere quickly. 
I think you guys would agree with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for me, the joy of the book is in the details of the sad, pathetic world in which we find ourselves. Women pushing around prams with dolls, proudly showing them off to anyone who will look. The elderly and frail, drowned in publicly accepted mass murder. And the nation happy to be ruled by a dictator as long as he keeps them supplied with food and golf courses. And porn. And porn, yes. Well, actually, the people weren't all interested in the porn. That's the problem. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I also think that death is felt more keenly in the book than in the film. Not the deaths of the main characters, but the population in general. Mm. You are so immersed in the society, each death feels very final. There's no one to replace these people once they're gone. P.D. James' opinion seems to be that when the world ends, we are likely to go out with a whimper rather than a bang. Well, you know, if, if you enjoy those kinds of things, and, and personally I don't, mm. I can see where that book would be really uh, enjoyable to you. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, the, the idea of it being more of a British book and maybe mm -hmm. written in a slightly different sensibility. And we've talked about that about Tolkien yeah. and some... Yeah, I mean, the Triffids was the same way. It was very mm. English. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. And, kind of, and styles of comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, some British styles of comedy are very, very dry, and mm -hmm. we don't always get it. True. Okay, so let's talk about the film. Uh, the film stars Clive Owen. Yes. Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. I was quite surprised when she died, actually. Uh, Danny Houston. <laughs> Danny Houston. Michael Caine. Michael Caine, Michael yeah. Caine, yes. That's all else. the no uh, Yes, she would tell Edgy for I, I can't pronounce his name. Oh, right. I'm very okay. sorry that I can't. <laughs> the dude from Doctor Strange. <laughs> yes, that as well. And yeah. Serenity. And Serenity. He's a good actor. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. He was awesome in Serenity. Uh, it takes, the movie takes the same, it's exactly the same world. Uh, but but the stakes tend to change a little more. Mm -hmm. Our main character, Theo, is a government employee who is depressed by the change in the world and the loss of his son due to the flu. Right. That's a difference. Right. And he just, you know, gets by on working at his job half-heartedly, trying not to get blown up by uh, terrorist attacks. Right. And making his coffee Irish. It's not quite the same world, right? Not it actually happens in a different year. Yes. The, the yes. movie. And I felt like the world in the book, the Britain in the book, was a lot less contemptuous and violent yeah, I, than so the Britain in the movie. I think in the movie, it's a little more militarized. Yeah. Yeah, the, the fishes, who used to be the five fishes in the book and mm -hmm. are now terrorists right. and blow up things. Yeah, that didn't happen in the book. No. Yeah. The, uh, the book, they had done some stuff. and then they. I didn't feel like anything in the book was terribly violent, though. And no. the movie itself is extremely violent, which I find ironic because there's lots of people killing each other in a world where they can't populate anymore. Yeah, let's get this done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing killing everybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, pe people are objecting more to the military, the militancy of the government, I think. Right. Right. Well, but also like Britain positions itself as we soldier on, right? And so right. people want to come to Britain because they're, they've still got some semblance of sta stability in their right. society, right? Yes. Um, but it's artificial. Well, and it comes at the same cost yeah. as the one in the book. Instead of having the Isle of Man where you just dump people and they create uh, mm. Lord of the Flies Island, mm. <laughs> um, you have the cages and Fujis. Right. Right? So we've, again, we've, we've created a subclass of people yeah. who aren't as good or the same as us. And so it's okay to put them in cages, take them out, shoot them. Yep. Yeah. Why Fujis, by the way? Refugees. Fuji. Uh, yeah. I like kept Alex thinking of Fuji, Zander. like the freaking country island. Oh, I'm like, why are they naming them after the what? Fuji? I don't There's get a it. Music group called the Fujis, right? <laughs> uh, Fiji, I think, That's not Fuji. I may both think of Fiji. Yeah, you might be right, not Fuji. <laughs> but at any rate, I, I totally didn't get that Fuji came from Fiji. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> it's I found. Uh, I'll put an uh, article in the show notes about how the film is kind of prescient because it's set ten years from now. And it was set mm -hmm. 10 years in the future from when it was actually written. Uh -huh. um, 
and the whole refugee crisis thing does feel pretty real. And and there's there's parts about the attitude towards refugees yeah. that rings pretty true in Trump's America. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it feels it's definitely and um, Dominic mentions this. It's definitely a post nine eleven movie, right? Yeah, because um, it it feels like you know the state security police is now called Homeland Security. Right. Very subtle. Yes. Um, Even though it's in Britain, not in the United States. Right. Yeah. And the uh, the other terrorist group is the Islamic Brotherhood. They mm. march, they carry guns. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of a uh, exaggerated example, mm-hmm. for sure. So the other major difference here is that it's the women who are infertile. Right. Women, women can't conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because the men, the magical sperm. Of course not. Is the men are perfect. Duh. So, uh, <laughs> as typical of adaptations of a book, right? It's hard right. to translate a 250-page book into a two-hour movie and get everything in. And so, you tend to consolidate characters sure. and shave down the plot. Right. And you don't get anything about Theo's history. In theory, that should have been really easy for this book, though. <laughs> right. And, and it did, right? It dumped wholesale. The whole background yeah, yeah, yeah. of Theo and right. Zan, other than the fact that they're related. Right. And Zan is... You know, he's in five minutes of the movie. Right. I'm like, yeah, there's not even, I was going to say, there's not even a Zan in the movie, really. <laughs> I don't think we ever learned his name. No. No, it just, he, he's the cousin. They can get them the traveling papers. Mm-hmm. So they're, boy, so there is a Julian, and they're, but she's not the one who's pregnant. Right. Key is the one who's pregnant. Right. And they Julian are is his her. ex-wife. Julian is his right. ex-wife. Right. I actually really like that, that character consolidation. It makes, it makes there be some built-in tension, and yeah, that works for me. Maybe it's a sequel. <laughs> it's a sequel and so they realize that, no men really have been okay all this time and it's the women's eggs that are the problem and their son is kidnapped by the government and now they're trying to get this other woman out before no their son is Zan but no Zan is, is yeah the cousin yeah so, right. well he looks younger than Theo though Theo, and yeah. granted Clive he wasn't, he wasn't Zan in the movie either there wasn't Zan in the movie well there was the the same person but they I know but, they, but the, the, the name Zan yeah, yeah, was yeah. not in the movie yeah, whoever Danny Houston's character was. Right. He seemed more youthful than uh, the Clive Owen character than Theo, because right. Theo is, you know, like, he needs a shower and a shave, the whole movie. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, <laughs> and shoes. And, yes. But I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, but, you know, at the beginning, right, he he walks into that, um, and I'll, I'll put the audio up, up top about the news report talking about the youngest person in the world dying. Yes. Right. And everybody is glued to that screen, except him. He just, I, just, I want my freaking coffee. Right. right. He gets his coffee, leaves, starts to turn it Irish, and then the, the place blows up. And because he was so disaffected, he survives. Yes. Although I do like later how he's like, oh, I'm feeling pretty, you know, distraught about the dying of the Omega, so right. I'm going to take the rest of the day. I, yes. <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. And he drives out in the woods and smokes pot with his... Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how this guy, who this guy is. How does Jasper relate to him? I don't know. It's so the movie think, is very short on I character they were just friends, connections. Yeah, but you Jasper from the book too, right? You're yeah, his advisor, with an old right? man, Jasper. Yeah, yeah. I I do love Michael Caine. Old in man, this one. Jasper. Um, just <laughs> True. the, the um, yeah the strawberry cough. Right. He's, yeah. he's got the special weed. <laughs> it's like the Pineapple Express. Yep. The next version. Right? Um, the movie is famous for some long shots. So at the beginning, you have that you have that long shot of him in the coffee oh, right. shop, and it yeah. follows him out. Right. Um, I'll put a. a Video in the in the show notes from Nerdwriter. Um, he he does some good videos. I posted a couple of his. Yeah, um, yeah. He did, did an awesome one on the Prestige. Good one on Arrival. I've been there um, where the cafe got blown up. Oh, that was cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> Has it recovered? 
Yes. <laughs> but but he, he talks about how the camera lingers sometimes on the background, even though it's not what Theo's looking at. Because that's mm-hmm. another thing. Like, Theo is in every scene of the movie. He's not in every frame of the movie. But it there's no question who the main character is. Right. Right. It The movie follows yeah. him. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have scenes with other people right. where he's not there. So sometimes he's standing outside the window listening to you conspire. I didn't, I didn't really notice that, I guess. Yeah. So, so I definitely pay attention to that. Yes, yeah. but but the camera sometimes, and this is what Nerdwriter points out: that the camera yeah. works in other ways where he's not necessarily looking. right, right, right. It's like the he kept going, but the camera is still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> type thing. Yeah, um, and uh, so one thing that I really like about this movie is I feel like the the sets and the locations look really great. I mean, I mean not not in yeah. a shiny way. Like right. it looks looks gritty and awful, and there's a lot of detail in the backgrounds. And I was looking for it this time, oh, okay. Um, and so that's that's why I was able to appreciate that part. Just it looks real. It doesn't look like it's on a back lot. It doesn't yeah. look like it's yeah. green oh, screen. Oh no, yes. Yeah. Like the the movie was well shot. Yeah, I yeah. do remember. Yeah, I do remember thinking that. That's one thing I did like about the movie. So mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty well filmed. Well, it's super famous for the the car scene in the forest, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> really? Um, yes. <laughs> Which one? The the long shot one where the camera's in the middle of the car. So when they, they come in, the, the flaming car yeah, comes Yeah, the flaming down car the goes down the hill. Yeah. And um, so yeah. it's it's a long one take. And there's there's some interesting trivia about it because they had like 13 days at that location to shoot. And so they're they're plotting it out, staging it out, figuring out what they're going to do, figuring mm-hmm. out how to direct it, um, and then rehearsing it. And like on the 11th day, they, find, they finally get to shooting it and they, they can't keep any of it. And the 12th, <laughs> like the last oh, no. possible take that they got... <laughs> When Julian gets shot, blood spatters uh-huh. on the camera. Yep. yep. Alfonso Cuaron yells cut, but nobody hears him, and they keep going, and that's the cut they end up going with. And oh, he realizes that's funny. that the blood spatter really added something to it. Right. Um, but and then they did that later. Did they do it again? Yeah. Uh, later on when they're in the building, mm. and uh, yep. you know, they're trying to get yeah, yeah, yeah. key out, I thought that was the point at which he got shot, because yes. the blood splatter was there, but it turns out uh-huh. it wasn't. It was later on, because I was looking for you know bullet holes or... Yeah, he gets shot by Luke, right? Is, is that what Chibatel Ejiofor's? I don't think it was Luke. Oh, I think it was. He fired. He definitely fired at him. Um, it might not have been. There's several places where where he could have gotten shot. Um, that's where I thought I saw it. I was looking for it, but but I thought I he got wrong. shot in the building. But I could yeah, be wrong. in the building by Luke. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was yeah, shot yeah. in the stomach. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, <laughs> were you shot in the fracas? No, I was shot near the navel. <laughs> so if. If the long shot is so difficult to make, what value does it bring to the movie? The, maybe I should put a, a video in from Alfred Hitchcock talking about the long shot, where he, he has some very famous ones, where, where, where they did a lot of, quote, single take things, where, where they, they did the trick where, like, you go through a door and you know, where there's a hallway, uh-huh. and then when you, when you come back, you can splice in there. Hugo did this a lot. The Scorsese Hugo movie, Daredevil, that that famous fight scene where, oh, with, yeah, with, yeah. with the hallway, right? Yep. Every time he goes out a door, it's probably a cut, right? But they splice it all together, so it looks like one long cut. Yeah. So yeah, to, to me, the long shot creates a, a sense of intensity. Yeah. To the situation, intention. Uh, but and, do you know if I hadn't, if you hadn't told me about the long shots, I never would have noticed. Yeah. Them. Okay, and see, I was looking for it this time, and I was completely in awe yeah. of, of a couple of. Those it just scenes. makes it for me. It just makes the whole thing more more intense. Yeah, so like the, draws you into the whole the shot because it's there for so long that it just draws your attention in the, into the scene completely. Yeah, uh, and that's like in, in like he mentioned Daredevil. That's what happened for me too in Daredevil mm-hmm. when that scene happens. It's just you're you're staring at this one spot for so long. Yeah, 
that you just get completely drawn into the film. Well, and Daredevil himself is hurt and exhausted too, and right. it, it lends to that, right? Yeah. Um, but the other the other long shot is the one where he's trying to get to the building where Key is after right. the fish is taken, mm-hmm. and he's you know diving behind stuff, and there's shots right. ringing out, and it's it's a really really long shot. And I was thinking about all the moving parts because you have all the right. Islamic hordes coming through there. Yep. Um, all the people. He, and he goes up and just... writes something in chalk on a, on yeah. a wall right before the gunshots ring out. Um, it's just like all the moving parts in it. I was I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the logistics of trying to get that shot um, yeah. are crazy. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I I really admired the the filmmaking aspect of this. Mm-hmm. The movie is short on story and short on character. Yes, um, I feel like the only character you know anything about is Theo, and you know he's apoplectic at the beginning. Yeah, no, apoplectic. That means angry, doesn't it? Apathetic. There apathetic. we go. Like, English is stupid for having so many words that sound the same. <laughs> but then I think he the the scene where she reveals herself to him, which. First of all, you, you could just pull that thing up and show your belly. You, you don't have to show him your boobs. Yeah, she's um, just like, bloop. <laughs> uh, but then the pose she holds is actually like the um, Venus de Milo. And I, th- oh, I th- yeah. which, which is a work of art, right? And right. Zan collects works of art. Um, and there's another scene later on where um, there's a, a scene that looks a lot like the La Pieta in Florence. Um, Mary holding the crucified Christ. Oh. Um, there's, there's a scene like that. That's one of those ones where it's following Theo and it looks off to the side. Um, it's in the Nerdwriter video. But uh, when movie. she reveals her, herself to him and he realizes she's pregnant, I think he's surprised by how much all of a sudden he cares. Because like he's, he seems to stop drinking as much. And and the, the key moment for me is when she's giving birth and he takes out the whiskey and washes his hands with it. So like that's, that's a character moment for, for me. We're like, that's the first good, good use of alcohol that he's had <laughs> in this movie. I thought it was a waste. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was an act of, of uh, practicality and desperation, right? I have, this baby is coming out and I want to right. make sure it's healthy and I know yes. that I need to sterilize my hands. And it was that, but the, I'm saying the, the deeper part of it. I, I mean, I'm reading that into it. Yeah. Right? Where I'm, I'm seeing that as that's the first... And I, I wrote that down in my notes. First, first good use of alcohol through the whole thing. <laughs> um, though that drink was delicious, James. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so I did have a question about this part of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, they go out to the barn. The barn is full of cows. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where she chooses to reveal herself. Yes. And I'm wondering, because I think this is a very artistic movie, mm-hmm. where uh, it, it it's you know critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, critics that enjoyed it. Right. Mm-hmm. Was there something significant about her being in a barn? You know, could she be well, considered by the government just to be? If you're sticking with the the Christ and- thing, the Bible story, right? Yeah. Jesus was born in a manger in a barn. Yeah, but she wasn't born in a barn. She was born in a war zone. Right. She didn't give birth there. But no, I understand I th- that. But I'm, I'm with that, James. On there's that. the allusion to that. Yeah. That that's what did it for me. That's why I thought anyway. Yeah. <laughs> or and, and you know she's. Preparing to give life, surrounded by life, because they had cows. Lots, lots of metaphorical going on there. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Anyway. It is an arty movie, and 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 that's like right. I feel. I feel like in the last, I think that's the only redeeming feature of the movie <laughs> is that it's the, kind the, of an arty movie. There's a lot of good aspects Colin's of going, it for me. Like, I cannot agree with you on that. But no, I I thought like overall, I think the movie's meh. Uh, there's no again. It goes back. There's no relatable characters, just like the book. I didn't give a shit about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I did enjoy certain parts of the movie, like you said, the long shots, mm-hmm. the action, yeah, somewhat of the action. Yeah, yay, Julie Moore died. Woo-hoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised by that one. I, I, I thought I it was think she was going to get interesting twist off. that it was a setup by the fishes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it, it talks about their internal struggle. Mm-hmm. 
And then and there's that there's where they sneak out and he doesn't have shoes and he doesn't have shoes for most of the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah. I, I watched some of the behind the scenes videos on the DVD and mm-hmm. it said that that was something done on purpose to make him less of a heroic hero. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get behind a guy wearing flip flops. Yeah. Right. Yeah, very much. It wasn't as badass as Die Hard. No, he ran across <laughs> glass with his feet yeah. and pulled it out in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Theo was not that kind of hero. No. No. And he wasn't supposed to be. Right. Right. Uh, gosh, there was like, oh, I wanted to say something about art movies. Yes, yeah, say something about art. Colin loves art Here's movies. the thing, you know, I'm, I'm probably, and Kathy jokes last when I said this, I'm really part dumb redneck. If you have to tell me why I should like a movie or explain to me scene by scene what's going on, right? I may not enjoy that movie very much. Yeah, right. So if we were eating a fine meal and I don't like the food and you have to tell me yeah. why I should like it, yeah, what? <laughs> no, and I, I agree with you on the food analogy. Mm-hmm. There are movies that you like watching more than once because there's layers to them, though. Oh, yeah. Multiple layers of plots. Yeah. Oh, uh, the prestige is for that. Yeah. It, it rewards that because every time you watch it, you learn something new. But here's the thing. Yeah. No one had to tell me to look for it. True. But some of this stuff, I think, is so esoteric and sure. above my head. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to get it. Yeah. That's not to say that it isn't. Yeah. It doesn't have value, but for me, as a as a viewer of that movie, not movie for me. Sure. Right. And so I will say that you know I didn't really enjoy the movie the first time. I thought nah, I don't I don't know what the big deal is about that, and I hadn't heard much about it. Um, but then in subsequent years, I I like uh, Sincast, the Cinema Sins guys. They have a, a podcast that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if if all you know of Cinema Sins is they're everything wrong with videos, you don't know much about them. Um, the Sincast they love movies, and and they did this whole thing where they were doing like the best movie of the year since the first one of them was born. Oh, and, then, and then they put them all in a bracket and decided what, what was the best one. Children and Men won for 2006 for, the, for them. They all love it. They wow. All, really? like they, they, they were saying things like, this is a perfect movie. I, I don't agree. Oh. Uh, but, but then it ended up winning their bracket as well. So it, it won their best movie of all time, according to them. Of course, you know, there were things Whoa. that were knocked off early that probably could have beaten it. But mm, um, gotcha. the Prestige was a contender, by the way. It was, it was second place in 2006. I think they chose wrong. <laughs> well, one of them voted for the Prestige. The other two voted for Children of Men. But um, I feel like kind of hearing that this is such a great movie, and then hearing about the long shots, because like you said, I, mm-hmm. I didn't really notice them the first time. Yeah. Or, no, no, you said that, Colin. Yeah. Um, and so this time, I was looking for that. I was really admiring the craft of the filmmaking, and the, the story to me is pretty simple. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the way it works out, um, and the action scenes are good enough to to keep me interested. So, yeah, yeah. See, for me, by the end. The last 45 minutes of the movie, I don't think really needed to be there. That whole extra set of scenes uh, where they're taken into the camp and then betrayed in the camp and trying to get out of the camp and she gets kidnapped in the camp just seemed to drag on and on <laughs> and on. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of going into captivity in order to get to freedom um, with, with Sid, right? The guy who talks to right. himself. Right. Um, or talks, talks in third person. He's actually Bob Dole. Right. <laughs> if you knew he was Bob Dole, though, they would have killed him. But as Sid the guard, he's anonymous. Yes. Yeah. I liked that, uh, that Key wanted to name the baby Froley. <laughs> and Theo says to him, it's, it's the first baby in 18 years. You can't call it Froley. <laughs> um, that, that was a good moment of levity in there. Yeah. So I do I do have Dominic's thoughts on the movie. You want me to do that before sure. we sum up? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then I have a couple of Reddit comments, comments as well. I will say Jeff Palermo chimed in when I posted something on Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. about, you know, any fans of the movie out there, because right. I knew that um, <laughs> I might be the only one who liked it. Jeff, not a fan. Okay. He said pretty mad. But anyhow, so uh, Dominic's thoughts on the film. He says, the film is much more kinetic and visceral 
whilst retaining the feeling of decay prevalent in the book. The movie is very much a post-9-11 product, focusing as it does on immigration, terrorism, and totalitarianism. All things that the book deals with, but the film brings them to the fore and makes us question our own attitudes toward them. Mm -hmm. The film isn't interested in the lives of the ordinary citizens as it barrels along, and we only glimpse the lives of others. This is what we were talking about, right? It's very focused on Theo. Right. Personally, I think that the changes make it feel more cinematic than it would have done if they had remained more faithful to the book. I also think they highlight the fears that were prevalent when the film was made and that remain to this day. And that's one of the things, right? Like a product of its time. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's a product of its time, right? You can can adapt something and keep it retro, but if you want to bring it into the current. kind of modernized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he says, it's an interesting multi-layered piece of science fiction, which I think will remain relevant and will continue to shine a light on humanity's fears and foibles. Okay. Not yet. No. Okay, and so then here we, we I have a couple of Reddit comments. So Anarchy8 on the uh, Science Fiction Reddit, which is a great place, actually. They, they comment on a lot of stuff. I post there quite a bit. Okay. Um, says, I've only seen the movie, but I thought it was brilliantly shot and directed, and the actors were amazing. Not everybody agrees on that. Uh, the subject is fascinating to me because it explores the topic of how people would react to the slow death of our entire species. It's an apocalypse, but it's not sudden. Does not involve mass deaths caused by disease or disaster, no zombies or anything to fight against. It's just humans fading away. And it still causes a breakdown of society in the same way any other apocalypse would in fiction. This is interesting. Also, for me personally, it's analogous to being a woman. There comes a time when there's no possibility of offspring, and that also signals a slowing down in massive physical changes that can cause as much chaos as puberty. It's mortality staring right at me as the end comes slowly closer. Which I thought was a fascinating view. We've, yeah. We're three dudes, right? All right. Yeah. yeah. Never thought about that. I like that. <laughs> and then, okay, one one other Reddit comment from a bad old man. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the book. I don't think I could relate to any of the characters in it at all, uh-huh. James. Uh, and the world didn't seem fully realized. The film, however, I love. It's like a Daily Mail ideal version of the future. I think the Daily Mail was the conservative paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Little jab. Um, refugees in camps, the end of humanity in sight. Just an utterly believable dystopia. And there amongst it all is Clive Owen plodding along with his life and still suffering the loss of his son. Regardless of the three long shot scenes and forgetting for a moment the great performances by pretty much everyone it's a story of hope in a world with none you might disagree with that but the scene where theo and key walk through the soldiers holding the baby is just amazing it's not just well paced and well filmed it's the perfect moment of almost silence in the middle of a huge battle the action halts for a few minutes and everyone reacts to the reality of a newborn baby in their own way some of the soldiers just peer at it others make the sign of the cross and then boom the battle begins again and all notion of hope is forgotten in the midst of fighting that scene alone is worth worth watching the film for so Oh, great action scenes, real emotional development in the characters, believable world building, excellent performances, and Michael Caine doing fart jokes. It's sheer class. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, pull my finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had wanted to talk about that scene because that's that's another very kind of biblical scene, right? The ador- Kind of the adoration of the Magi um, or the visit of the sure. shepherds yeah. where the baby is revealed and everybody just hushes and, and almost I, venerates it. I did think that scene was pretty by. cool. You, you yeah, jumped like there because I thought you were talking about the fart scene. And I'm like, how does this relate to the Magi? Bring me in here, Seth. Biblical farts. I'm Biblical sh- flashlights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, a, little, a little moment of levity. Um, uh, and somebody somebody else chimed in that Greybeard by Brian Aldiss covers similar ideas to End of Fertility. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's right out of Wikipedia. Oh, nice. Cool. So I, I will I will sum up and say I... I I did really enjoy the film, mostly on the technical aspects, and and I thought yeah. I thought Clive Owen was really good. I thought I thought all the cast did a good job. Right. Um, it does kind of focus in on on that core group, and you don't you don't really get a larger picture. Yeah. I mean, and it's mostly Clive Owen, and I feel like he's he's good enough that it carries the film for me. So um, I definitely enjoyed it more, <laughs> both the book and the movie. I enjoyed more. Have you seen time. the movie multiple times? Then I've seen show? it twice now. Okay. Yeah. 
Did you enjoy it the second time more than... Well, oh, yeah. If you can remember more than the first, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't care for it the first time. But, yeah. but I didn't notice some of those technical things that I noticed this time. Um, and that I'm, trying, I'm starting to think maybe I might like it if I watched it a second time. Right. Well, well I like it more. I didn't dislike the movie. Yeah. It, like I said, it was just kind of meh. I did, yeah. I did like some of the technical aspects because I did notice... Uh, the long shots. Yeah. I, I liked this, the whole, the war zone scene was interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, the complete, the long shot there. And then the, the, like the Messiah moment, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, what do you want to call it? But like overall, it's just kind of meh. And I, again, I didn't care about any of the characters sure. really either. Okay. <laughs> well, is it time to rank them then? Or do, do any final thoughts on the film other than that? No. Well, okay, hold on a sec. You know, in the past, when I, particularly I, have come really hard down on a movie, I've kind of taken on myself to say, what would I do to improve it? Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. In this case, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think Delete that, it. I think that, um, <laughs> that there really isn't enough material to adapt it directly from the book, even if you chop out 75% of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really... Yeah. A short story. And mm-hmm. it needs to be expanded on a whole bunch. Um, could we expand on it in the way that it did in the movie and make it more approachable to a more redneck audience? Possibly. <laughs> uh, I, I think it would need to be less cinematic. You might need to throw in a little bit more character development and world building than was there. Um, do we need a happier ending? Potentially. Yeah. Uh, I like the way it ends, actually. But with With Theo dying? Yeah. Yeah, to me that's that's that completes the biblical imagery, right? Yeah, God dies to save. I mean, it's humanity. still it's still kind of a and uplifting a, ending because yeah. she does get she does find the was it Morning Star, yeah, and they rescue her and take her presumably take her to the Human Project. Well, we uh, hope that's the Human Project, right. right? Book maybe getting her in the boat and then yeah, no, yeah, I, but, I didn't. I like that just because you could see he was okay with it. Like he he realized right. I I've done something with my life. Yeah, I kind of that's, got that's that. That's what too, I yeah. saw there. It didn't end as abruptly as the book did. <laughs> no, and a little more believably. <laughs> the book was a little abrupt for my, for my taste in endings. I was like, really? Just stop there, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I would yeah. have to think about it more, but I don't. I don't have anything immediately, you know, obvious to make it better. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think less cinematic. You, you might have touched something there. I totally disagree. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if they wanted to get something, I don't. I feel like in the movie there wasn't much of a message or a discussion. It was more just like a cinematic art movie. Yeah, yeah. And and on that else. basis, I enjoyed it. Now, uh, did our wives all watch it? Yours did. Mine did. My wife was like, I wasn't totally sure what was going on, but right. she did. She did appreciate some of the the craft of the yeah. filmmaking. But uh, but nope, yeah, my wife hated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you read the book too? No. Okay. No. I hated that Michael Caine uh, committed suicide and took his wife with him. I mean, she was, uh, yeah. She'd already been damaged by the government. He has already been taking care of her. Uh, he knew that if they captured him, they would torture where they were going out of him. Yeah. So, you know, at least he stopped the government from following them. But it, it was still made me sad. Yeah. I mean, you could see it as him falling on a grenade and taking his wife with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't want to allow her to be captured as well. Because right. they, they wouldn't just go, oh, well, she seems to be a vegetable. There, there could have been a good argument for her to die a more painful death than she did if he, he hadn't taken care of it for her. Yeah. Knowing that he was going to take care of himself anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I liked, I liked the fact that he was, he was himself to the end. Pull my finger. Pull yeah. my finger. Yeah. Right yeah. For the shot him. That was funny. All <laughs> uh, right. Should we rank him? Sure. This will be interesting. Uh, who, who wants to go first? Movie book. Okay. 
Movie book. I also go movie book. <laughs> Although I enjoy the book more than either of you. So, and I enjoy the movie right. more than either of you. So, yeah, I mean, just ranking the movie over the book doesn't assign it any no exceedingly high value. Sure. Dominic also went film movie. Uh, wait. Yes. Yes. <laughs> film book. Film book. Yes. So we are unanimous. Uh, we all Dominic. So um, it is late November, as we said. Um, it is. Getting into Christmas season. So we have to begin talking about if we're going to do a Christmas movie this year, which we've already decided we're going to. Die Hard 2. <laughs> <laughs> we could. It's by a different author. It is. Um, However, no, there are other things going on. There are. So right. something that's coming to television on the 17th, I believe, is A Christmas Story Live, which I'm not at all optimistic about. <laughs> but uh, I do Wait, love- what? Uh, to television at Christmas Story Live? Yes. yes. So they're doing it like that thing that they did in Scrooged? <laughs> the night the reindeer died. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, yeah. so they've done they've done some of these, right? They did like Sound of Music live oh, or something. Right. Jerry Underwood. Sure. What channel? I guess. I don't. I don't have TV, so I guess I'd have to go. To I will put relevant details in the show notes. Yeah. So and and unless we, they live stream it. I think we should get together. They might, actually. Um, Because we're on the West Coast. We're not getting it live. No. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Seth did have an alternate idea, which I talked him out of, because I thought that, (laughs) you know, we should bring attention to the fact that something that has been adapted is going to be on TV. Yeah. And it it is adapted, so you can go and read the source material and see how it compares to your ideas of Ralphie and his family. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it it turns out that It's a Wonderful Life is adapted, and I have never really? seen the movie. How did our listeners not apprise me of the situation? That's what I want to know. Wow. You, you let Wait, me you down, have not people. seen the movie? No, he's I never, have seen, never it. seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, crap. He talked me into the fact that there's something relevant going to be on TV. We right. watched the 1983 yeah. movie, whatever, whenever it's I from. So, yeah. And uh, we will read. There, there is a hardcover version of it that I found in our library called oh, Christmas okay. Story. I also have it on my Kindle. Anyhow, but that is your homework. Read the A Christmas Story novelization if you can find it. It's not a novelization. It's a. It's really more than one short story in one collection. It's all by Gene Shepard. I thought it was based. Yeah, I thought it was based on a. Book. It is. It's based on story, more than whatever. one short story. Actually, they adapt, oh, really? they adapt two short stories into one. Because uh, in the credits it says uh, every every what in God we trust everybody else pays cash. Yes. Like that. Yes. <laughs> in God we trust all others pay cash. Right. Which I think is a great title. It, yeah. It's a fantastic title. <laughs> and it's it's a fun read. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's an interesting study and adaptation. So. Um, and so is that a, is that title itself a collection of short stories? Is that what you're saying? No, that title itself is actually like a novella. Oh, okay. I believe. So. In a larger text that. But you don't. The, the bumpus hounds don't come into that story. They come into the other story, uh, and so okay. they blend the two All together. Right, I got you. So. Bumpa says. Sandra Reggie. <laughs> 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 My father was an artist. No, 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 no. We're going to save that. we save that for, for next month. Yep. Yes, he worked in profanity like other artists work in oils. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, this I, one should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one. I think that's all, though. Yeah? Yep. Any other final thoughts? Nine. All right. Thank you again, Dominic, for sending us something to talk about. He reached out to us in May, by the way. <laughs> I I told him it was going to be a while. So he waited all summer and all the dick movies for us to do this. Yep. Wow. Um, And then then we had somebody else reach out and say, hey, could you guys cover Never Let Me Go? So probably in January we do that one. Though we might need to do something that Colin picks that he knows he likes. (laughs) (laughs) Just anybody can pick it. Just a little little more (laughs) uplifting, positive. Yes. Yeah. All right. I think we're out here then. All right. We went a little longer than usual, actually. It provoked some discussion. So that's okay. All right. 
All right. You got to bless us. Yes, I will bless you with the Pavement Pounders Children of Men blessing. Uh, May the road rise up to meet you, and may your coughs always be strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Right? All right. Bye, everybody. Welcome. Okay, then. (laughs) Do you want to do it? Nope. (laughs) Good evening, everybody, and welcome to whatever this podcast is. (laughs) Yes. The youngest person in this podcast (laughs) is still alive. (laughs) For the moment. Buenas tardes. Bienvenido a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Coleman. (laughs) Into our podcast. Gracias, Masé. Sorry, that's uh, pretty much all the Japanese I know. (laughs) Namaste. There we go. All right. Anyhow, that'll all go in the blooper reel. Right. I always need some blooper reel fodder, <laughs> and it's always best when it happens before we even really start. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. I'll shut up now. It's not not saying that... Um, <laughs> wait. <laughs> I'm confusing myself. <laughs> the Children of Men, the novel, and Children of Men, the film, are interesting... Ugh. Bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> it says, the film is much more kinetic and visceral. <laughs> visceral. <laughs> all right. That one's going in the blooper reel.